0: You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, success without sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone, I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby with my good friend and co-host, Jerry, and every episode, we're bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this week's episode, we're going to take a little bit of time just to talk a little bit about. What almost everyone is talking about, they're talking about the housing market right now. Everybody's talking about real estate. Everybody's talking about what's going on. They're also talking about inflation and all that. So everybody's got questions. A lot of experts have answers. And everybody's definitely got an opinion. So today we're just going to talk a little bit about those things, you know, the what's going on in the market, what are we seeing in our markets, and then what do we think is actually going to go on here in the future?
1: Yeah, I am having this conversation two to three times a day. It doesn't matter if I'm at church, at Cooper's baseball game, at the coffee shop, everyone wants to talk about the housing market and what do I think is going to happen and uh, everybody's word right now is crazy oh the market's crazy that's I hear that I mean that is that's the that's the word that everyone seems to be using right now and unfortunately I think it's a word that's driven from uh, from our profession. the real estate industry seems to want to throw that word crazy around a lot right now and for me I don't think it's crazy I think it's just different
0: yeah, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think that's, you're exactly right, everybody. Also for me, the, everybody's talking about gas prices too, right? So the, the big topic right now, especially if you watch Fox News, CNN, and all the crazies out there who, uh, who are no longer putting out news, but putting out entertainment, um, they are talking about gas prices, they're talking about baby formula shortages, and then they're talking about the housing market. And if you watch it, I mean, I watch it every week, I think they're bipolar. Like one minute they're talking about there's going to be a crash. The next minute they're saying there's not going to be a crash. The other minute they're saying values are up. The next minute they're saying, oh, demand is down. Like they have no clue what's going on. And so, yeah, I'm just talking to people. And always the conversation is whatever you've got to do, you've got to do at that time. You can't time a market. You can't do those things. So figure out where you are in the market, what your goals are and where do you want to go? But yeah, everybody's talking about how crazy it is. And the reason why is because we love crazy. People try to say they don't like crazy and they don't like drama, but we love crazy. Yes,
1: we do. You are right. The one thing that I tell everybody is that you know certain things affect the market, but for the most part, the world in which like I live and operate in is you buy houses when you need to buy a house. If. You're getting married, you know. It's time to buy a house. If you're, you know, kind of going out on your own and you don't want to rent, it's time to buy a house. And whether an an interest rate's three percent or five percent, it doesn't really affect that. If it's time to downsize or upsize, like life dictates, when a majority of people buy houses. Now the market being in flux, like as far as like rates going up, that affects like second home purchases, vacation home purchases, investor purchases. Like, so there's a, there's some things that affect it, but the people that I talk to mainly like in what we call, you know, retail real estate, the, the rates do not drive the determination whether it's time to buy a house or not.
0: No one is waiting around for the perfect time to buy a house, a house you you buy when you need it. Right. And so that's exactly what it is. And rates don't I I honestly don't think they even matter because you're going to get approved for whatever you're going to get approved for. Then you're going to buy that house because you always most folks, you know, you end up you're like, oh, I just want to pay, you know, twelve hundred dollars a month. That's what I want to pay. That's what I feel comfortable with. And then your lender comes back and they're like, oh, well, for $1,200 a month payment, you can only have a $80,000 house. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I want a $200,000 house. So that's what I'm looking at here on Zillow, which you should not be looking at, but that's what (laughs) I'm looking at here on Zillow. Everything I got saved is in the 200,000 mark. And uh, that's the type of house I need. So go ahead and raise it up. And then the thing is, if rates go up, you know, you're already locked in. And then when they go down, you refinance. And then when you refinance, you know, you get that money back. But that's that's just how it works. I think those are just talking points we like to talk about. But when you get down to the nitty gritty of exactly what it is, it's whatever you need and whatever you want. And where do you want to live at? What is your desire for where you want to be at? So what what's the, the
1: highest interest rate you ever paid for a house? A non investment. Like, I don't want to, not hard money or anything like
0: that. Like, house I've lived in.
1: Yeah. The highest? The highest interest rate. Three
0: point, three point, three point something, three point three, maybe. Yeah. Luckily, I got in. I got in at, uh, I did my, I refinanced last year to the year before. mm -hmm. I'm at like a 2.87, I think. The hard thing, the hard thing for me though, was when I went to go buy. The, the, I got trapped in when I went to go buy a house. I was like, man, should I keep this house because my interest rate's so low, or should I sell it and then buy another house? And then, you know, luckily the last house I had it was like a three point three or something, and now this house we're in it's like like a two point eight. But now I'm like, man, if we end up moving, I don't think there's any way I could sell this house because I've got my interest rate is like too low.
1: You know, it's, yeah, it's it's a, it's a. 25% of inflation right now. Like it's like, it would make, it wouldn't make sense for you to, to sell it. Yeah. The highest interest rate we paid was our first house. 8%. 8%. 8% that. And that was just, that was just, that was like, that's what you paid. That's what you did then. And then I thought, man, when we moved, when we sold that house and then I bought our, our next house at like six and a quarter. Oh my goodness. I don't think I'll ever be able to borrow money cheaper than this. And then exactly. it got cut in half and, and there's people that, so there's people that are, you know, about 10 years older than me. Like they, they were paying 16, 17, 18% interest for houses.
0: Yeah. But the question is, what did they pay for the house? Well, yeah, you, you are correct. So it all ends up balancing out, right? That That's what I was thinking about. And, and the thing is like, man. Man, well, my interest rate was twenty, you know, twenty percent, or because there's yeah. some people I've talked to that had a twenty yeah. percent or eighteen percent or something, and then it's like, well, I paid, you know, I paid twenty thousand, forty thousand dollars for the house, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, you know, you also got that in there too, but yeah, I mean, interest rate is interest rate, man. You just live your life.
1: All right. So, what else do you uh, we that we got interest rates. Um, so, what are the things that you see are affecting? affecting the housing market
0: right now you know i always go back to supply and demand so it's not bingo that's it right there it's not as crazy for us i remember you know we were chatting this is probably back in 20 i want to say 2015 no wait 20 i don't know when it was i just know we were uh there was a time there where midland was like the hottest real estate market, we were like number one and you couldn't find a house. So it almost seems like where everybody else is right now is where we were back then. And so for us, it's not as crazy as it was uh, during that time, but it is supply and demand. So oil is up here. That's the other thing to talk about is, is uh, real estate is local, right? So just because it's doing something in one part of the United States does not mean it's doing that in the other part of the United States. And so for us, you know the oil price is up at the moment and that drives jobs and everything here so we have an influx of people coming in here plus texas is already one of the states that most people are moving to because of all the crazy stuff that went on with covid and all that stuff so we've got one is uh jobs people moving in here two are people uh, moving here because of whatever values you have, mostly conservative values. For people that are in, you know, my state, that and, and the calls that I'm getting is they're asking about my mayor, they're asking about the governor, they're asking about like what restrictions do are we having in our town, and so I think that's driving demand up, and then interest rates. I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to drive demand down as far as uh, how many people uh, are ended up buying houses, but you know, they're just going to buy a smaller house. It's not, it hasn't changed anything as far as number of houses being sold for us up until uh, April, at least because the, the uh, stats are out for April. So it hasn't been much change for us in that regard. So demand has been the same for us here in Midland. And so I still see prices either staying the same or going up a little bit. Our median price is up. Our average price is up. And so I think that's a cause of, you know, just supply and demand. You got less supply, which we've got about a month and a half, a 1. 1.5, 1. 1.8 months of inventory here, which is pretty standard for us over the last year. We've been between one and three months. So, which is super low. And with that prices have to go up, at least from what I see.
1: Yeah, definitely supply and demand. Uh, the other thing in, um, you know, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, it was, I mean, we were off the hook with offers. You know, we were, I think it was at one point, got to like 11, 12 was the average offers per home. Uh, I had one home that had 27 offers in December, week before Christmas, 27 offers. Um, every one of them over asking, every, you know, one of them with some kind of, you know, appraisal guarantee. And where, I, where I'm noticing kind of our regional, you know, shift is not as many offers are being placed not as many you know crazy contingencies uh, are being placed on offers but we're still getting multiple offers on just about everything the you know the median days on market right now is 7 uh, in in our in our MLS and so that means basically you list a house on Thursday and it's gone by Monday you know you might have some negotiating, but you've got multiple offers coming out of the weekend and you get that thing under contract right away. And that seems to be the case.
0: Yeah. And the crazy, you know what the crazy thing about that is, is uh, we're, we're the same way. So I put a listing up, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. And I thought the house was going to be gone within the weekend because it's super nice house priced correctly, but it's taken us probably about seven days to get an offer rather than two days to get an offer, still full price offer, on the house and all that, but, uh, only one offer and it took us seven days. And the crazy thing is, you know what people will start saying? They'll be like, man, the housing market is slowing down, but it's not slowing down, man. That's still crazy. Right. I mean, they're going to be like, Oh, it's getting cold. It's like, man, you still are getting offers within two weeks, still over asking some listings. are still getting you know, multiple offers. Like you said, but because we are in it, because we're reading the news, we're going to be like, oh, man, the housing market is slowing down and the bubbles coming, and the recession and all this stuff. Yeah. And so the hype train will be on its way because people are not getting multiple offers the first day they put the house on the market.
1: Yeah, or as many offers. What I like about it, because, you know, obviously, if you're listing houses, it, it, you know, it was good, you know, cause you're getting, you're getting the best offers, the most money, but even listing, when you're getting 27 offers on a listing, that gets really complicated. You have a lot of moving parts there. You've got a lot of explaining to do, you know, the client and you end up, you know, kind of narrowing it down and you end up with a great offer. But the, where it was really frustrating for buyers was, is during that time when you're I mean, you. We were literally having buyers. We're writing an offer every weekend, eight, nine, nine, 10, 11 weekends in a row. You're writing offers and really good offers that, you know, two years ago, if you had an offer like that, you were going in like accepted easy and just getting beat out. We, um, I had a client last week or two weeks ago. We looked at an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar listing in Ann Arbor. My client went in at nine fifty, cash. And we lost. We lost a hundred thousand dollars over cash and lost. And the competing offer was, we will beat any offer. He showed, like, he sent me a screenshot of the the additional notes in the purchase agreement. We will beat any offer.
0: Hmm. Like, what? That's, a, that's like, a strong offer. Yeah, that is a very strong offer. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, and I basically, I it kind of actually kind of pissed me off. I was like, "What does that even mean? We will beat any offer." And so I was like, "Well, yeah. what did what'd you counter at? Did you counter at a million dollars? Or run that thing all the way to the moon?" We ran it up a hundred thousand. Yeah, no. My it's, guy, it's...
1: my guy went max of what he was willing to pay for it, and he goes, "He he didn't want to he didn't want to do a million because he didn't want it for a million. And so he he ran it up as high as he could run it up. And he cost them, it was, uh, they would beat any offer by 25,000.
0: It's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. When you need a house, you need a house. You know, yeah. that's the thing. When you need a house, you need a house. The question is who needs it more and who has the ability to pay more, right? That's exactly what the game is. Well, on another note, you know, supposedly we are in a housing crisis at the moment across the United States, right? So with inflation, you know, going up the price of, gas has gone up astronomically, you know, I don't know how much it's gone up because I don't pay much attention to it. I just, I just fill my car up. But with the craziness that's going on, our president has, you know, announced some new actions to ease the burden of housing costs. And so this came out mid-May. So it was in the middle of May. And so I just want to read off some of the, you know, some of the bullet points here. Of kind of what's coming out, what's coming out. We'll have this in the show notes as well. It's from Whitehouse.gov.
1: So as a kind of a precursor to that, and this comes out of uh from Scholastica Corporation, they're saying that the um the average consumer is spending $429 a month on additional on, on the same items they were buying a year ago. It's they're spending $429 a month, mainly grocery and gas has increased that. And so that the way they break the numbers down, weekly wages only rose by two hundred per month, leaving a shortfall two hundred and seventeen. They're saying that you're gonna have to spend forty two thousand dollars less on housing to make up that shortfall of your income based on inflation and what you're spending. So talking about the crisis of affordable housing, I think that was a good precursor to what you're about to talk about.
0: Yeah, because I mean that's the thing. Everything's going up, right? So the price of groceries are going up, gas is going up, and with with increasing values, property taxes are going up. Possibly, we can talk about that in here just a little bit. I don't know how taxes work in Michigan, but in Texas, they possibly could be going up. So everybody's complaining about. It. So everything is going up, right? So even if you your housing payment stays the same, your if you have a mortgage. Uh, And it's escrowed in with all your payments, your payments going up regardless, because housing values are going up unless you go and you fight your taxes, which is, is a very hard thing to do at the moment. Right. So everything's going up. Price of housing is going up. So, you know, of course, the government needs to step in and they need to ease the burden of housing costs. And so here are some of the here are some of the bullet points. And we'll just kind of go over some of these things. So. Uh, coming out of here, White House, WhiteHouse.gov from the briefing room. Uh, this was a release from May 16th. It says they're going to reward jurisdictions that have re- reformed zoning and land policies. They're going to deploy new financing mechanisms to build and preserve more housing where financing gaps currently list or exist. Expand and improve existing forms of federal financing ensure that more government owned supply of homes and other housing goes to owners who will live in them which i think that is a uh, that's a really good plan there providing incentives for land use zoning reforms and reducing regulatory barriers leveraging transportation funding from bipartisan infrastructure law they're going to integrate affordable housing into dot programs which department of transportation including land use within the U S economic development administration's investment priorities. And then it says here, unlocking, unlocking possibilities program, which is a 1.75 billion competitive grant program administered by HUD to help states and localities eliminate needless barriers to affordable housing production. Okay. That's a little vague. Well, I mean, a lot of this is, is vague, you know, but, It says the Housing Supply Fund grants to reduce affordable housing barriers, building and unlocking possibilities program. The president's 2023 budget includes a mandatory spending proposal that would provide 10 billion in HUD grants to reduce affordable housing barriers for states and localities that have already adopted housing forward policies and practices to address challenges to the housing supply production constraints. I don't know what any of that stuff means, but. I think they also said, I think there's a little bit of stuff in here about, uh, you know, mobile homes as well. Tax credits. It says tax credits to build and rehabilitate 125,000 homes for low and middle come middle income home buyers, neighborhood homes investment act. So
1: see, I hear all that. And there's two things. If you, communities have to want the housing, right. And so what does the housing look like? And lenders need, to, you know, lenders are going to weigh the risk reward to lending on projects like that. And so, you know, is that something that they can put in place that a lender is going to want to lend on and that a community is going to want there? You can say these vague things from Washington, but I live in Canton, Michigan. Is that part of what Canton, Michigan wants to do?
0: Yeah. And basically it comes down to the localities and and who's voting and what the, what the people of that community want. The thing I, th- I thought was interesting. I didn't, I read through this thing. I didn't see anything really about builders or builders, you know, getting in- incentives or anything. I think that's what the issue is. The issue is that lumber prices are coming down now, you know, but with all, with inflation and all the prices going up, a builder can't build a house, you know, at the same price they could build it for in the past. So there's gotta be some way to relieve the burden on builders and then they can pass that break on to the consumers. Right. And so,
1: yeah, there was some language in there about loan programs for builders to incentivize.
0: Yep. That's what it was, yeah. um,
1: but you're still, you're, uh, what material costs, I think across the border are up
0: 19%. That's exactly um, right. So even if you give a, a builder a loan, a loan, on a house, I mean, for I got a, a builder, he he doesn't use loans, he he pays everything cash. Mm-hmm. So even at that point, it doesn't matter if he's borrowing money or he's paying cash. He still, the builder still has to be able to make a profit. And in order for him to make a profit, you have to be able to create something for less value than what you sell it for, right? Or for less cost than what you sell it for. And so I think that's the key, you know, we're talking about all these things, but we're not addressing the issues. And so, you know, there's two
1: main things for builders. You got material costs, but in addition to material costs, you have labor issues. Yeah. And so, you know, builders can't, you know, you know, I see you talk about one of the things we talked about earlier and I don't know how much we want to get into it, but new construction permits and, you know, new construction builds are down but is it, it doesn't have anything to do with supply. I think it has more to do with material costs being up and the labor being an issue.
0: Exactly right. You got to have a reason to, you got to have an incentive to to build, right? And so that's, that's the key issue. So even if you're giving loans to low to middle income folks, you know, they're, they're still, the houses aren't being built. More and more people are on the planet than in the past. So we need more housing. So the question is how do we get the supply up not how do we make it more affordable for people right the initial key is the supply the supply is the issue if we had too many houses then the prices would the price would come down but how do we build houses that's the question how are we going to build houses and then then we got to get people into them
1: I'm sure this is different than in in Midland but in Detroit so Detroit was originally a city that had a 1.2 million people in it. So it was an infrastructure and a geographic, you know, Detroit geographically is huge compared to other major cities. And at one point, Detroit was the richest major city in the country uh, during the height of the, you know, the uh, automotive boom. But it was, it was an infrastructure that was made for 1.2 million people. There's less than 600,000 people in Detroit. And so we have there are so many vacant homes in detroit that little pockets are starting to be built back up but i don't know that you'll ever collectively fix what detroit is and so for us you know it you know that's some of the probably most affordable housing you can get at that if you're trying to to fix an issue but then on top of that you have schools are a problem city services are a problem you know, collectively, the community, you know, like there's, it's just not a community that can support, can support the population that it has currently.
0: Yeah. that's And that's going to get worse and worse. Right. Because on those wages, you can't, you can't, you can't survive. Right. And so that's, that's kind of the key point is, you know, if you're on a fixed income or if you're on a, if you're at a, you know, a job where your, your pay isn't increasing and housing is getting, you know, costing more then you know people have to people have to make changes and that all has a ripple effect and so all of that is infrastructure though you know
1: and when you're talking affordability so one of the things you know i don't have the exact breakdown but i'll bet you it's half i'll bet you half of the homes in lower income or lower price areas are being bought by investors and what that's doing is just driving rents up so now you're driving you have all these investors buying, which is driving the price of the housing up. And, but you're also going to drive the, the rent prices up as well. And I know you guys are a lot of yours is based on what the oil price is doing and the way oil prices are. Your rents are probably through the roof right now. there in Midland.
0: Yeah. Everything's everything's going up. So that's when people say, well, I'm going to wait to buy a house. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if you're, you're going to buy a house or if you're actually leasing a house, like the price is your, your housing cost is going up regardless, <laughs> you know? And so that's kind of the key thing. And the, the thing that's going to happen is either somebody is going to come and disrupt the housing market, basically with some type of innovation, which I think is is going to come, it's going to come and it's going to come soon. I don't know what it'll be. It'll be like the Uber for, for leasing or or what it'll be, but someone will come up with a solution for what's going on and it's going to change everything forever probably Elon gonna musk massive. is
1: going to put us in space
0: yeah i don't even want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> i was just talking to my buddy about that and they're like man we we're going to leave a planet that has all the resources that we need to go somewhere else that literally has no resources you yeah. go to the moon or you go to mars mars has nothing on it there's no water there's nothing what are we going to have doing? to
1: take everything to mars from here
0: Yeah. Why don't we just do it here? We're already here. What's going on, man? Uh, Anyway. All right. Let's get back on track here. So, so the government's trying to do some stuff, or at least they say they're trying to do some stuff to, uh, to try to help curb the cost of housing here in America, because costs are, are, I mean, the price of homes is just getting out of control, getting out of control. Right. What one I'm of saying.
1: the things that comes up and i don't know if this is too big of a shift uh, for the conversation but one of the things that comes up and comes up in conversation all the time with that i'm having is uh, the forbearance program that was implemented you know during covid and everybody thought oh there's going to be all these foreclosures coming to help sup, help with supply and demand uh add supply and that's just not the case we had, there was 4.7 million people during COVID took advantage of the, uh, the forbearance program. Let uh, me get the stat here. And currently there's only 690,000. Uh, and so it came out to, it was like 18% still have an issue, but outside of that 18%, the other 82%, they were able to fix, they were able to fix the issue. Uh, like, 30% of the people, and I'm looking at this quick, so 37% of the people that went on forbearance just paid in full. They, they, they either they, they sold their property, paid the mortgage off, they got caught up, everything, they made all their payments in full. 44% were uh, workouts or repayment plans. Uh, so those 44% of the people worked it out with the bank and got their loan back on track. And 18% of the people still in trouble. And so... Uh, there could be some, but in the grand scheme of things, even if all 690,000 houses hit the market, it's kind of a blip on the radar.
0: Yeah. When that whole thing went down, I I thought we were going to have, I remember I was talking to some folks. I was like, man, especially when I read the guidance on there, I'm like, man, we are going to have some people that are going to be in trouble, but it looks like everything, everything got worked out. I don't know if, um, banks or you know lenders just uh, were had a lot of grace during that period or, or what but uh, man a lot of the languaging and all that stuff in there was uh was pretty vague even to the fact of like if you went into forbearance you couldn't purchase another home for like two years after that you know because I know my lender was talking to some of my folks that were thinking about doing that so not a lot of foreclosures at the moment not a lot of foreclosures. So, well, it's
1: a comparison, you know, and you know, from 2008 to 2012, where there was almost 12 million foreclosures in that time frame. You know, like I said, we're only at like 600,000 now that are even in forbearance. That doesn't mean that they're going to get foreclosed on. So it's it's a small number relative because everybody's said saying, you know, everybody, oh, we're gonna have another 2008. You know, we heard that. I heard that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. And from what I see, it's totally different right obviously i was not in I was not in real estate during two thousand eight two thousand nine that time frame but every every lender I talked to was that the loans that were going out were just crappy loans, like they were lending to the wrong people they were giving people money that shouldn't have money, and then I think they also had the zero you didn't have to put any anything down
1: zero interest, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think I bought a two hundred thousand dollar house for probably just a couple thousand dollars cash to close did a 0% interest. It was one of those things I paid 0% interest for like five years. And then the model was, Oh, you'll just refinance out of it. Well, when it was time to refinance out of it, I couldn't. And so um, when it went, when the loan kicked in to, you know, interest plus principal, it, I went from like 1200 a month to like 1900 a month and my employment went away
0: at the same time that caused a problem a little bit of a problem there. Yep. And so the thing is, is we tightened up on things. I think it will be interesting moving forward from this point, because like we just read about the the white house article that we were reading on, they're changing up, you know, financing, trying to help people get more financing. And so I think moving forward from now, depending on what, what policies get put in and how we start changing things. I know I was reading something about an FHA 40 year loan or something like that. And so, you know, now we're trying to put Put things in place to get people in houses. And I think we're getting probably starting to get a little loose. Yeah. And yeah. So, FHA just
1: lowered their score, minimum score to like 550.
0: And then they have that 40 year loan program. Yeah. So now we're lowering the guidelines again, right? Because after that happened, it, it got pretty tough to be able to get a loan, right? And so that's what kept everything where it is right now, which is why we're not in the same place we were back in 2008. But now moving forward, you know, kind of what I'm seeing is that things are starting to lighten up a little bit. And then when you start lightening up, of course, that creates opportunities for some people, but for some people, they they still should not be purchasing a home. They should not be. And then with less and less people working and, you know, jobs being, you know, a little more volatile, that's when you start getting into the issues that we had in the past. So, it will be interesting to me to see what happens from this point going forward, not necessarily at this moment right now, because people will just stay where they're at or they'll buy a smaller home at the moment. But as soon as we start loosening up the guidelines and all that, which
1: with the lower, with the lower supply and the high demand that fixes a lot of those programs aren't effective. Like, you know, for the most part, people aren't accepting FHA offers right now because people are using a conventional product or, you know, a higher down payment product. Um, And so sellers feel more secure in accepting a higher down payment product or a conventional product or, you know, our cash. I mean, you have a lot of buyers right now in the market that are paying cash and then they're this will probably slow down a little bit, but they're paying cash and then just refinancing out to, to, you know, that's exactly what those that eight hundred fifty thousand dollar buyer I have, they're they're going to pay cash, but then just re and turn right around and refinance because that's what's going to make them most competitive in the market. So the you know, even if the government did a you know first time home buyer program or change that score to five fifty and do a forty year, it's going to be hard to buy a house with a product like that.
0: And even with that being the case, you know it doesn't it doesn't solve our problem. Right. It actually puts more demand yeah. on the system. So it's like, we already don't have enough houses and then we're finding out a way to get more people to buy houses, which it, you know, sometimes the straight line thinking doesn't work. But when I look at it, I'm like, man, that's just more people in the market. And so it's like, man, that's just more demand on a market that doesn't have any inventory. And so mm-hmm. I all, I still think the issue is, is supply. And so until we start, until we start issuing or, uh, fixing the issue of supply we're not going to be we're not going to be able to kind of fix the problem that's going on price will continue to go up
1: and i think it's i think our market is prime for a to increase the the rentals but i think that where where the most success could be had is if you had people out there building and you'll see it the building rentals for 55 and over community doing a 55 and over rental. I got a buddy right now building, a uh, 240 apartments. It's like seven buildings and it's 55 and over built a clubhouse has a pool walking trails. They're four story apartments with elevators and carport parking. And he cannot, as soon as he gets a building open that it, it sells out. And, um, there's a big need for that for, for housing that doesn't have stairs or apartments, rentals that don't have stairs. Mm,
0: rentals that don't have stairs. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the state that's kind of the state we're in at the moment, right. As as, mm-hmm. as housing is going up and, and everybody's looking for solutions. And so affordable, I was having this conversation whenever I was having this conversation with people, whenever I was, uh, Uh, just getting into investing. And what they were talking about is they were saying, man, affordable housing is going to be an issue in the near future. And I didn't know what they were talking about, but obviously that is what is going on right now. And these people were investing in mobile home parks, right? Nice mobile home parks, not like, you know, eight mile, you know, B rabbit home parks. I'm talking like double wides, triple wides, that have like community pools and all that stuff. So like Mm -hmm. nice communities where people will, you know, want to move into, will be fighting to get into, uh, but they're just saying, you know, and a lot of the trailers now, the mobile homes now, I mean, I look at them, sometimes I get confused. I'm like, man, that's a nice house. And then I'm like, oh, that's actually a a mobile home. And so mobile homes are are very nice. And I think people are going to be starting to move that way too, as far as affordable housing goes as well. So
1: good amenities, lots of square footage, you know, they're they're nice.
0: They are nice. Mm -hmm. Then we could just drive it. If if you, you know, if you get uh, transferred or something, just uh, put the wheels back on the axle and drive it, drive it wherever you get it, get it towed wherever you're going next. So, yeah. So I think, I think that's about, that's about it. That's all I've got on the, uh, on the episode here. Is there anything else you think we need to hit here? Affordable housing prices are still going up. Is the market going to crash? I guess is the question we didn't answer. Is the market going to crash? Cause that's what everybody wants to know. When is this, when is this all coming down? I don't see it happening. It's not happening, right? Not based on all,
1: you know, everything that we look at, you know, I see, you know, it's shifting, but the market's always shifting, right? And uh, shifting one way or another, I do see that it might slow down compared to how it's been, but I don't, you know, that's still way better than it has been historically. Even the slowed down version of our market right now is going to be better than so many different times in the market. Historically. I don't see it crashing.
0: I don't see it crashing either. So that's why I always tell folks, man, if you need to buy a house, you need to do it now. doesn't matter where the market is at because even if the market goes down, it's going to bounce back. Right. Even let's say you wait, then it goes up 10% and then it drops 8%. You're still, it's still 2% higher than whenever you were waiting. So no matter what, you are behind the eight ball. You've got to look at it that way. And then when things come down, you're not going to have the, I'm just going to say it, you're not going to have the balls to purchase when things crash or things come down. Right. And then you're going to be in the same position anyway. So if you need to buy, you need to buy. Do whatever you need to do for where you're at at the moment.
1: So they say, uh, you know, rates are right around what five, five and a quarter right now, and they say it could go up to low sixes, is what you know the experts are predicting. A three hundred thousand dollar loan, principal and interest at five percent interest is sixteen hundred a month. At six and a quarter, it's eighteen fifty. So you're like a two hundred fifty dollar a month difference if you wait for that rate to go up to six and a quarter.
0: That's exactly right. And if you're in Midland, Texas, you already know this. If you're listening to this in Midland, Texas, we were talking about housing. We had houses at $150 a square foot. And then everybody's like, man, that is just crazy. There's no way anybody's going to pay that for a house. And now we've got houses at $220, $230 a square foot. Now folks are like, man, there's no way somebody's going to pay more than that for a house. And so we will be looking back on this moment. In three, four, five years saying the same thing we said three, four, and five years ago
1: you get those California people that pay 450, dollars you know, 450, $500, 550 a square foot coming to Midland. I can get that for 260 a square foot. They're happy to pay it.
0: You don't even want to know the conversations I'm having with people from California. When they see <laughs> <laughs> I just did a video of that on my YouTube channel, man. It's like when when uh, when my Midlanders see prices, they almost throw up. When the Californians see prices, they get so excited. I just had a California investor
1: call me this week. Hey, I want to buy 30 houses in the Detroit and Wayne County.
0: Yeah. They love it. They love it. He can sell one out
1: there and buy seven here. You know, like it's, it's
0: all about perspective. Yep. All right. All right. Bring us out.
1: Yeah. So, you know, today we're talking about supply demand, interest, you know, you know how there's not going to be any foreclosures and basically what the market's going to do. And, and both Jacoby and I agree that we do not, foresee a crash in the near future. That's for sure. If you uh, need to talk about real estate, that's specific to you because we're talking general here. But if you want to talk about something specific to you, hit one of us up. And obviously I'm in the Metro Detroit, he's in Midland, Texas. But if you're listening and you're someplace else, hit us up. We'll have that conversation. We're going to help you and we'll give you some guidance and some direction as far as we see it. But we are always down to be talking real estate. A lot of the resources that we have, we'll put in the show notes for you. And again, hit us up on the Facebook page, go like us there, follow us there. Always love having conversations with you guys over there. Really love that you guys are checking in on a weekly basis. If you know somebody that would like to hear about what our perception of the market is right now, forward this to them and uh, forward this podcast episode to them. We'd love to pick up some new listeners, somebody that you think can uh, get value out of what
0: we're putting out. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.